with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So James is saying, don't forget the gift giver, because the gift giver is light, and there's no shadiness within him. And then John says, hey, listen, God is light, and in God is no darkness at all. And he's saying, and if you say you have fellowship with God who is light, and you walk in darkness, you're lying. That's not the truth. There's supposed to be a difference between Christians and non-Christians. If you believe in Jesus and have accepted his grace for your sins, you have new life. And that means you're not supposed to do the same things you did before. Today, Pastor Daniel will talk about what it looks like to truly walk in faith, not just saying that you are, but actually living like Jesus. It'll change you and your perspective on the world around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 1 as he begins his message, Put Feet on Your Faith. Sometimes we need to take the advice that we give to somebody else. Am I the only person who does that? Like someone tells you what's going on in their life and then, you, you know, they're telling you all the situations and then you like, you tell them, it's like, what do you think? And you like, give them some great advice and you think to yourself, I should probably do that myself. Am I the only one who does that? Because there's something about when you're in the middle of your own life, it's like you're stuck in the middle of everything that's going on. But then if you're talking to someone else, when it's not your life, you're not in the middle of all of it, you can see things really clearly. And so much of life is learning how to walk out the very truths that we ourselves believe. I'm sure for each one of you right now, there are things in your life where you're like, if I would just do this thing that I know I'm supposed to do, things would get better. I would be able, that relationship could, could take a turn. My finances, my marriage, my job. See, so often the struggle that we have in life is the fact that we know what we ought to do, but we just don't have the faith or the will to choose to do it in that moment. And I think that so much of the transformation of what God wants to do in each one of our lives is actually us simply starting to walk out the truths that we already know. See, it's interesting. I was talking to someone recently, you know, I was sitting online at a, you know, at a coffee shop and started talking to this guy. And it's so funny because like, you know, I'm always fascinated. I'm such a social person, not open secret, right? Like, so like, I just, I think people are fascinating. So start talking. So, so this guy says to me, he's like, so, you know, oh, so what do you do for a living? That's my favorite question that I ever get asked. Because my new favorite response to that is, well, what do you think I do for a living? Because then we really get at what's going on in this whole thing. So I'm like, so what do you think I do for a living? He's like, well, I don't want to say it in case there's law enforcement present. I'm like. (laughs) So I always take that I kind of giggle and I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And then most people's like jaws hit the floor because like, I I don't know what they expect a pastor to look like, but I'm definitely not it. So I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah. And and then it's so cool because this guy said, so fascinating. He said, you know what I don't understand about Christians? I'm like, what? There's always such a focus on heaven. Like, 
why is it all about heaven for Christians? And I was like, well, that's an interesting question. And I'm like, well, let me ask you a question. I'm like, are you thinking about retirement? He's like in his late 50s probably. He's like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, smart, right? He's like, yeah, he's like, it's coming soon. I'm like, you got to take care of those 30 years, don't you? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, eternity is a lot longer. <laughs> I, 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 it was funny. He was, like, he was like, that's a very good point, you know? And, and so I'm like, but I'm like, but what's interesting, I'm like, yes, there are a lot of Christians who are like, man, you need to believe in Jesus because when you die, you want to be in heaven with Jesus. And listen, you do, when you die, want to be in heaven with Jesus. I'm like, but I don't follow Jesus just for the long-term benefits. I'm like, I actually follow Jesus because I want to walk in the spirit with Jesus now. And I'm like, it's, Christianity is not only about what happens after you die. Christianity is like, what does it look like to live now? And I'm like, the Apostle Paul, a guy who wrote in the Bible, I'm like, he said it this way. When, there, when he was wondering, am I going to die and go be with Jesus or am I going to be here? He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, look, while I'm here, I get to experience Jesus and I get to walk in the purpose for which God created me. And when I die, it's going to get really, really awesome. So for me, I don't want you to think that you should follow Jesus just for the eternal benefits. I think you want to follow Jesus because of the in real time rubber meets the road benefits of what it means to walk with Jesus now. And the guy was so funny, he was like, you're really good at this. I was like, well, thank you very much. You should come join us at Crossroads. So if you're here right now, man, thanks. That was a good conversation we had. But seriously, so much of what faith in Jesus, it's not only about the hereafter. I mean, there is a component of that. But it's actually about what does God want to do in my life right here, right now, where we live. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about studying the book of James together is because the book of James is actually geared to be practical. It's like, what does it look like for us to walk in this world, in real time, in the name of Jesus? And so we started unpacking the book of James together in our last message. So let's continue on today. So open your Bibles, James chapter 1. We're going to take verses 17 to 27 together. The book of James is easy to find. It's between the book of Hebrews and 1 Peter towards the end of your Bible. And if for some reason you're against paper or you just don't like touching the paper, pull out your phone, pull out your device, go to your favorite Bible app, browser window. You can go to the free Crossroads mobile app, go to book James, James 1, colon 17 to 27. I want you to be able to read along. And Today, we are going to learn some very practical, foundational, real-world things that you want to know and you want to be able to apply to your life right as it is. So picking up in verse 17, James chapter 1, James says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Now, if you were with us as we took the first half of this chapter, James ended with this idea that God does not tempt anybody. Because the question was, is where the rubber meets the road in life, temptation is something that's common to all of us. 
And people can make the mistake of saying, oh, I'm tempted by God. And James is like, no, 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 no. God does not tempt anybody, right? And then we unpacked what is temptation? How does it work? And we saw that in the last message. And if you weren't there, I'd encourage you to go on our website, go on our app, and rewatch that message because we unpacked this is what it looks like. And then James then says, God does not tempt us, but God gives us every good and perfect gift. And so really, as a principle, you and I, we need to remember the gift giver. Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Now, notice I said that we need to remember the gift giver. Because the mistake that we always are prone to make as humans is we want to remember the gift. Now, I remember growing up, so I'm an all-Italian kid from New Jersey. The reason I'm not an all-Italian kid from New York is because my parents have, I have an older sister, and then I have a twin sister. So they went from one child to three children, and they couldn't afford to buy a house in Brooklyn or Long Island or definitely not Manhattan. So they moved out to New Jersey back when it was the Garden State. I mean, it's still the Garden State, but back then it looked like the Garden State. Right? And so so I'm from New Jersey, right? And so what that means is that I grew up with that really big family right? Like I have two sisters, but it's like, there was just a huge extended family. Everybody was an aunt and uncle and a cousin. There was a bunch of people who we called aunts and uncles that they actually weren't, but I still think they're my aunts and uncles. There's in-laws, outlaws. It's like, it was crazy. You know, neighbors, everybody was family, right? But I remember that what that meant is when Christmas time happened, we got like 20,000 gifts. How many of you have ever got like the ugly sweater from your aunt? Yeah, I got like 30 of them. Like, that's why whenever it's like an ugly sweater party, I just won't show. Because like, I like live my life. Like every, like, but it was funny growing up, my mom was a tough lady, that before you opened a present, you had to read who's it from. And my mom had like a legal pad. I'm like, it says it's from Aunt Dottie. Okay, Aunt Dottie. And you'd open it up and guess what? It was an ugly sweater. Open up the next one. Who's it from? It's from Aunt Georgine. Uncle Tony. I had like 87 Uncle Tonys. You know? Open up a pair of knickers. Nobody was wearing knickers, but they gave you knickers. You know what I mean? I got knickers from Uncle Tony. You know what I mean? And the reason you had to write all this down is because it wasn't enough to get the gifts. You had to actually write a thank you card to all of them. My mom was a good mom, except for the fact that she wouldn't let us write the same thing to everybody. Because, you know, you know, the Italian, they put that thank you card on the refrigerator. And then at the next family party, when all 97,000 of them were there, they say, oh, look at little Danny wrote the exact same thing to everybody. So we had to write different things to different people. I'm like, well, what am I? Oh, Uncle Tony, thank you for the knickers. I'm going to send them back. I want to see a picture of you in them. I didn't write that. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you had to write all these cards. But they were teaching us something, that it wasn't about the sweater. It was about the people who gave you the sweater. And the big mistake that we make as humans is we want the gifts. We want to forget the gift giver. And so James is like, hey, listen, you want to get practical in life? Remember the gift giver. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes from heaven. And it comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. See, James doesn't want to talk about the gifts. He wants to talk about the gift giver. He says, God is the father of lights. And this idea that God is light, that God brings illumination, he brings what is the revealing. This is all through the scriptures. When it says that God is light, where there is no variation or shadow of turning, they're saying there's no shadiness with God. There's no shadings with God. It's not like, how many of you remember when kids were little, when they realized that the shadow on the ground 
they don't realize it's them. How many of you watch a kid like run away from their own shadow? It's just so much fun. It's like watching a cat chase its tail or the little laser pointer, you know what I mean? But at some point, like, oh, no, no, the light is being reflected and my body's in the way, and so it leaves a, sh- a shadow. That may be true in the physical world, but God, there is no shadiness with God. There's no shadow. And the Apostle John said it this way, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, it says, this is the message that we heard from him, and we declare it to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So James is saying, don't forget the gift giver because the gift giver is light and there's no shadiness within him. And then John says, hey, listen, God is light and in God is no darkness at all. And he's saying, if you say you have fellowship with God who is light and you walk in darkness, you're lying. That's not the truth. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we get to have fellowship together and, and the blood of Jesus Christ, the son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. See how practical John gets? God is light. This should change your life. James, Remember the gift giver. It should change your life. And that's what we're going to see in this chapter. But as he's talking about the gift giver, God, who is light, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Notice that. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus because it was in the will of God to birth you by the word of truth, the word of God. God has taken his word and he has chosen you and he's brought you to him. That's what he wanted to do. It was his plan to do this. So that, notice what it says, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. It's an interesting thing what James says. He says, if we remember the gift giver who is light, he birthed us by his spirit because of the word, that we might be a kind of first fruits. And what that means is the first fruits was an offering that the children of Israel would give to God as this is the beginning of the harvest. And the idea is we give the offering from the first fruits, trusting that God is going to bring a greater harvest. It was an act of faith. Now, here's what I want to tell you. James is saying that we are the fir- a type of first fruits. And here's what I want to tell you. You are a first fruit of the work that God wants to do. God has done a work in your life so that he can do a work in your family. He can do a work in your school. He can do a work on your job, in your neighborhood. You know, we don't think of ourselves as a first fruits. We're like, man, God's done a work in my life. No, no, listen. God has done a work in you so that he can do a work through you. And one of the ways that God moves us forward is when we realize God has saved me so that I might be a positive influence on my sphere of influence. I remember I learned this really early on because, you know, when I first got saved, I was playing music as a career, right? And I remember I get saved and I'm still like, my career is music, so I'm going playing in restaurants and clubs and bars. And I remember I'd go to church and they'd have these little Gospels of John. And I'd be like, hey, can I take some of those? Like, hey, how many do you want? I'm like, all of them. And they're like, no, no, don't take all of them. I'm like, no, I'm going to give them out. And I, I, I'd put these Gospels of John in my music bag. So I'd have like, you know, a bag with all my cables and stomp boxes and all the stuff. And I'd have all these Gospels of John. And so sure enough, I've been playing in these restaurants and these bars, you know. And then people would be like, man, you are so happy. Can I get some of what you got? I don't know why everyone thinks I look so nefarious, but that's what they say. And I'm like, you want some of what I got? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I believe in Jesus. And then they normally use Jesus' name in vain. 
And I'm like, no, seriously. I'm like, I believe in Jesus. Like, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm like, I'm not, I really believe in Jesus. Let me give you the Gospel of John. And I'm like, listen, read this. We'll talk about it. I'll be playing next Friday. Come on, we'll talk about it. And like, I realized that like God did a work in me, not just for me, because he wanted to do a work in other people's lives. And I'm here to tell you, all of you, all of you have a sphere of influence. People you know. People who got you're working alongside. You just got that new job. Yeah, you're stoked for the new job. God wanted a missionary there. You're starting a new thing. Guess what? God has people he wants you to reach because you are a type of first fruits, the beginning of the harvest of what God's wants to do. When I look at Crossroads, I see all that God is doing in this season and I see what God is birthing. I see our community and our world and I say, Crossroads is the first fruits of what God wants to do. This is the beginning in this cultural moment. Because the gift giver has his eyes on revival and harvest, not just on what he wants to do in our lives. It's a good word, right? It's right here in our scripture. So good. So moving on from there. Remember I said we remember the gift giver. He is light. He wants to change our lives. Well, James gets uber practical. Look what it says. James chapter 1, verse 19. So then. You see that word, so then? That's the conclusion, right? Because of what's just been so then... My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I would call this three simple truths. These three, and it's so funny. James was inspired by the Spirit like 2,000 years ago, and if there was ever like, we need these three simple truths right now in our culture, it's right now, as timely as ever. Three simple truths, what are they? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Look at the person next to you say, be quick to listen, don't talk so much, don't get angry. Does it get more practical than that in our day and age? Because we live in a day and age where everyone has something to say, nobody wants to listen, and everybody is triggered. Everyone's aggro. People are flipping out. How many of you in the last week were in a conversation with someone where they weren't listening to you, they were just waiting to talk? The other person thought the same thing about you. Ha, 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 You see, I did that. That's true. Ouch, right? But listen, because God is the father of lights and there's no shadiness in him, he's like, listen, because of that, take your time and listen to people. Listening, my friends, is spiritual hospitality. Listening is, listening is spiritual hospitality. And because you're listening, you're not talking so much. And of course, I always think of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, where it says, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Isn't that a nasty Bible verse? My bride Lynn's like, Daniel, that is your life verse. She didn't really say that, but she's thinking that deep in her heart, right? Because the idea is that when we talk so much, sin is there. And actually, the wise person is the person who's like, I'm just not going to talk this much. So we have to learn. And of course, we, you know, kids hear this all the time, little kids. You know, you've been given two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you speak. But none of us grown-up kids actually practice that. And I think we need to. We need to. So we need to be quick to listen, and we need to be slow to speak, 
And then it says we need to be slow to anger. Now, what's amazing is if you look at the character definitions of God all through the scriptures, over and over and over again in the scriptures, it says that God is slow to anger and he's abounding in mercy. So the slow to anger, the slow to wrath personality is someone who is taking on the characteristics, the personality characteristics of God. But there's a reason that James gives why being angry or wrathful isn't wise. Look at what it says. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here's what I'm to tell you. If you're a person of faith, you believe in Jesus, your anger is not going to produce what you actually want, which is that person to be righteous. Because what's making you angry is, you, is your perceptions of their unrighteousness, but your anger actually does not make that person unrighteous. You might say, well, Fusco, what does? I'm so happy you asked. Paul in Romans chapter 2, verse 4 said, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? So it is not your anger at the situation that changes anyone's life. It is, at best, your ability to be a vehicle for God's goodness to come into that situation. And I'm here to tell you, when you are angry, you are not a vehicle for God's goodness, his forbearance, his grace, or his long-suffering. So our anger and our frustration at things is actually counterproductive to the very thing that we want. So when you have a habit that is counterproductive to your goal, what should you do? Build a new habit, peoples. Like, listen, I love the fact that the Bible is prophetic, and I love the fact that God is, but if there's three simple truths that you're like, this could fix all the ills of American society, it's actually these three right here. If people were to stop talking over each other, but listen to each other, and stop being angry with one another, maybe we can get somewhere as a culture. Now, here's the deal. I do not expect people who do not believe in Jesus to get this because when you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have the spirit of God checking you so that you're not in the flesh. But I absolutely believe that the people of God need to get this right. If you're here today and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, then listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Because you know that your frustration, your anger, your wrath is... It does not. Look at it. It's like verse 20. The wrath of man does not. It's so definitive. It will not even a little bit. I say this in a world right now where believers, I watch Christians, not here at Crossroads, I watch Christians in our community, they are raging right now. And I'm just like, somebody get a Bible and read James chapter 1. Please. And just so you know, to be really honest, because confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation, I have to repeat these verses to myself, too. Jesus is real. God isn't shady. And yes, Pastor Daniel meant that as it sounds. He isn't looking to swindle you when you follow him or dupe you into some horrible existence. God is light, it shines into the shady places, the dark spaces. He's good and faithful and perfect. He's a giver of gifts, and he's given the best gift of all, the Holy Spirit, a daily guide and helper, and he's given you hope for the future. Eternity will be with God in heaven. 
Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will urge you to do what God's asked you to do. That thing you've kind of been ignoring, it might be something from the Bible, like loving your neighbor or praying for your enemies, or it might be something specific God's asked of you directly. Whatever it is, it's going to take faith, but God's going to meet you there to help make it happen. And you'll get to see him do incredible things. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.